talk about that in just a moment. Because when you can connect the soul with the spirit, and there's unity with the mind, will, and emotions, and there's unity with the spirit, it's a forever imprint. It's a footprint they'll never forget. It'll always be a part of their life. Whether they receive Christ or not, they'll never forget that moment. People might forget what they hear me say, but they don't forget the emotion they connect to. That's like you with a song. You hear a song, and you've known that song. That song for 30 years, you still can't get the words right, praise God. But you can feel the emotion connected to that moment in time or moments in time you had when you were younger, and you'll never forget it. It's like it just comes up like that. So uh, we're going to be doing our, our big productions. The first one, two weeks from today, is called The Last Supper. Now, most of you have seen The Last Supper. We do it on purpose every year because it's a staple in our ministry. It's a a traditional thing. I'll do it as long as God wants us to do it. If he says do something else, we'll do that. But it's something that works. As a matter of fact, there are people that come to our church only for that production. I mean, that's the one they like, you know, because it speaks the most to them. And you'll connect to it if you haven't seen it, where we have the Living Lord's Supper. It's, we call it the Leonardo da Vinci painting that comes to life. It's, it's the actual painting, and you'll see how that's done. And it's a beautiful rendition, and you connect with the disciples and Jesus and, and Mary Magdalene. It's, it's, it's an incredible thing. And so that's the first week. That's, that's one week from today. And we want people to come. Now, the next thing is going to be that Friday night, which is Good Friday. And we're not having service that Thursday. That's the first time we've ever done that. So Thursday night is going to be canceled that week just so we can have one big service on Good Friday. I just felt like I wanted everybody to be there because we're going to receive Holy Communion together, which we need to do. It's receiving the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And we want your friends, your neighbors, your loved ones to come to this event so they can also receive communion. It's a one-hour service, and we're going to give that honor to Jesus because it was a Good Friday for us, a terrible Friday for him. That was the day he went to the cross. And then two days later, three days later from that time frame, Sunday is when he is no longer dead, but Jesus got up out of that grave, reigning as King of kings and Lord of lords. And we're going to tell the story from start to finish, and you will see our Savior beaten and bloodied. You will see our Savior right here in front of, I'm right in your face. It is a powerful, moving experience that you won't forget. And of course, and we'll, you'll see how he, he, he'll be resurrected. This is a... It's called I Am Jesus. It's the first time we did it was last year. It is powerful. It is impactful. Uh, it is something that your friends will talk about uh, from now until he comes back. I'm telling you what I know. It's just something we, we've had experience with over and over and over again. So actually, as a church, we're all in the cast. Talk about casting call. We're all in the cast. Not just the cast members, but all of us. Touch your neighbor, say, you're in the cast too. You're in the cast. But the kind of casting call that I'm talking about today is not the cast you can call, but the call to cast. Now, I want to read this. This comes from Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. This is not a long message. You just hang with me. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. These were professional men. They were pros at fishing. This is what they did to earn a living. They generations deep into this, had their own boats and their own stuff and gear, and they went after fish. Then he said to them, Jesus says to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately, didn't think about it, didn't hesitate, didn't call somebody. They immediately left their nets 
and followed him. How many followers of Jesus do we have in this sanctuary this morning? He said, if you're my follower, then I will make you a fisher of men. In other words, I will give you a net to cast to draw in the type of people you're trying to reach. I will give you a net, not just any net, but a net big enough to hold in the catch that I want you to catch in the community and the people you're trying to reach. So God gives us supplies to be able to go after the fish we desire to have, especially those we want to come with us to heaven, those that we're believing for, those that we've been praying for, those that we love, even those that we don't, but we want to love. We want to know who they are. We want to invite them to come because why? Because we know it's the net that he wants us to cast. It's a casting call, but it's the call to cast our net. And by the way, God talks about this and it gives it in terms of fishing. It's very important. Now, now I will tell you that we've been using the, the, the bait of productions and plays and illustrated sermons for years. Why? Because they work. It's not something I know. It's ta I'm talking experience. And those that know me know that they've been doing this a long time. And so if you'll do the job of casting your net, in your respected areas, and they come, I promise you, they will hear the gospel preached in a unique way that will bless them, that will open their hearts and open their eyes to see Jesus Christ and who he really is. We've been doing this for years. Our, we didn't illustrate, I, I mean, we cut our teeth on this one. I didn't have nobody. Little illustrations that what I would do, one time I put a boat on top of the stage and I got in the boat and I had some, we had no gear, no lights, you know what I'm talking about? So I wanted to create, I wanted to create like lightning. So I got in the boat and I had a track going and I got in the boat and I would I'd rock the boat back and forth. I did it here too, but I did this back in the school. We were two flights upstairs in a 200 seat small auditorium and this is where I did it on that little theater stage and I was rocking the cold, you know, I'm, I'm preaching like Jesus in the boat. And I had a guy in the back for the lightning. I said, now when I do this, flick the lights off and on. And he flickered the lights just like this, flickered the lights just like this. That was our first special effect and I was proud of it. Oh, I was proud of it. We were flicking lights. And it was cool. And I'm like, whoa, that was pretty cool. I'm telling you, when you do anything out of the ordinary, once it goes dark in the sanctuary, everybody goes, what's going on? You get that feeling like anything's possible. The lights are flicking. And then I, what I did was I bought that black plastic, Visqueen plastic, and I bought it, and I taped it to the edge of the stage. And I had four people dressed in black. And what they would do is they would come at the right time, and they would take the plastic, and they go like this. And they made the black waves. Come on, so I'm rocking. Come on. The light's flicking and the waves are going. It was amazing. That was one of my first illustrated sermons. But then I got this idea, I want to do a production. But we only had like 35, 40 people to our church, you know. And, you know, it takes a lot of people being a cast to put on production. So my friend Steve Muncy invites me to come see his production called Heartbreak Hotel. Now, Heartbreak Hotel, he did as an illustrated sermon, like a 20-minute sermon years ago in the 90s. He said, I changed it all, Jeff. You got to come. It's a full-on two-hour production, hour and a half production. I said, all right. He said, you got to come. So I came. 
Now, he has a big church, seats about 3,000 people. He's got a massive stage. You can drive cars on it and motorcycles. He's got a state-of-the-art uh, uh, special lights uh, that are in the, in the ceiling. I mean, you know, it's a Las Vegas-style production. He's got massive smoke machines and barrels of dry ice, and he's got bombs that go off, and he's got indoor fireworks. You know, he's got a big budget for this thing. And I mean, it's amazing. He's got people up on the stage. I'm going, this is incredible. This is awesome. Oh, my gosh. And all of a sudden, about halfway through, I started getting depressed. Because I wanted to do it so bad, but I'm going, I could never do something like that because, oh, my God, I couldn't drive a car on the platform. I couldn't have those. I don't have a system like that in the ceiling for those lights. I couldn't do it. I don't have enough people to do something like that. So the whole ride home, I'm miserable. Hundreds of people came to Christ. I watched it happen, and I'm miserable because I'm thinking limitation. I'm thinking like somebody who has no vision. I'm thinking it's not possible for me to do something like that. But in me, everything in me goes, I want to do it. And all of a sudden, halfway home, I, I, got, this, like, I got this like impression that the Lord's saying, you're going to do this. Now, how many of us, when you hear God, it kind of puts a little spark of energy in you. You get a little creativity. You're going, well, how will I do this? And, and I start thinking, well, this person back home, because what it was, it's a lookalike thing. So you have Heartbreak Hotel. Let me just draw it out for you. Heartbreak Hotel, you build a set on one side. The other side is Hotel Hallelujah. And you have, you have acts. These are all different acts. You have crossover acts and so on. And it's, it's a lip-syncing thing, okay? And so they got to look like the artists of the time. And so they get up there and they dress like them. They look like them and they sing. They lip-sync to the track. And it's pretty awesome. Like they got background drag, uh, dancers and all kinds of stuff. And so I thought, well... Yeah, so-and-so, my usher kind of looks like them. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I know the, the children's worker kind of looks like that person. I start going, you know, maybe we could pull this off. So I get, I get back to church. I bought their, 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 their uh, VHS tape. That's what we had back then, VHS tape. And I said, we're going to play this at the right time the church service, and I'm going to show the church what we're going to do. So I showed a two-minute segment of this massive Las Vegas-style show. I put it in. I'm like, oh, boy, they're going to love this. Watch this. Now, we didn't have a big screen like this. We had two TV sets. I'm talking about not flash screen. I'm talking about the tube. Come on, somebody. And we had them, we had them bungee tied to the top of speakers. To, and that's all they were, 25 inches. And they had them both sides. But I had two of them. Holly, I had two. And so I said, show them. So they, they, I'm going, this is incredible. I'm watching this. Oh, my God. They're going to love it. And when the lights came up, oh, my God. Here was a look. Their look was stunned. They're like, is this guy lost his mind? What is wrong with him? I'm thinking they're going to be excited. They're going to be happy. But they saw what I saw the first time, impossibility. How are we going to pull something that like that off? And so I said, guys, here's how we're going to do it. And I started, you're going to play this, and you're going to play this, and you're going to do this, and you're going to do that. And then we had visitors that day. I said, you know, you look like so-and-so, and you're going to do this. And we had visitors. They, didn't, they weren't even part of the church yet. We signed them up. Come on, you're going to be a part of the church. We had Carol McGuire. Carol McGuire played Dolly Parton. Carol, we're talking about, we're talking about Elder Carol played Dolly Parton. And it was amazing. We had Bill, y'all don't even know who Carol is, do you? She's sitting in the back now. But she's, she's never been an elder's church. Let me just tell you something. We used everybody. Who did, what did Mike play? He played uh, Julio Iglesias, right. And Jan, Jan, he was the first, played Willie Nelson. To all the girls I loved before. It was amazing. And then we had Bill Marshall played um, Charlie Daniels. Uh, Pito, you played, huh? 
Sean Paul. Monty played. J-Lo. That's right. J-Lo. I'm probably, did I miss anybody? Who else was playing? What'd you play, bro? P-O-D. That's right. So we had Christian acts and we had secular acts. And so we had them all. We had, we had from, we had Fred Hammond, Kurt Franklin, Ty Trebet. Then we had Madonna, Tupac. And so what we did was, Tupac. We had Tupac. It was amazing. It was actually pretty cool. We actually had Tupac. And then we had Biggie, remember? We had Biggie, and then they had like a shootout. Then we have them have a shootout. They had like a shootout. It was kind of corny, but we did it. Didn't we? It was pretty crazy, but we did. And so, and so. And so Heartbreak Hotel had their acts, okay? They weren't saved. Then we had the saved acts come over. Then we had crossover acts, people that were getting saved. We were showing them you don't want to go to Heartbreak Hotel, man. You want to go to Hotel Hallelujah. We did this for an hour and a half. First three weeks, it exploded. I had to borrow the, I had no money for the budget. We borrowed lights and put them in the ceiling. We borrowed, I told everybody, they go, what, what kind of outfit you want me to wear? I said, the one you can find. I don't, I don't have that for you. I got no money for you. Just find some. Okay. They found, I mean, that's what they did. They got their own tracks, their own everything. They paid for everything. And so that's how we did it. And three weeks we run, I forgot, like over 100 people. Next thing you know, they're saying, this is, we can't let it quit. We got to go. We went on another three weeks, six weeks. Almost three or 400 people came to Jesus Christ in six weeks over a church of 35 people. Amen. It's this stuff works. And we had Christians. Our biggest critics were Christians. They hated me for that. Oh, they talked dirty about us and nasty and bad. Why? Because they could only stand for the first two or three acts, and they didn't like it that Beyonce was up there, and they weren't happy with that, and, but they didn't stay for the whole thing. Well, whoa, 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 why, why? I, I would say to them, I'm not doing this for you. You can go. Goodbye. I'm trying to do this for your lost friends because your lost friends likes her. They like Tupac. They, they're into that. And you don't bait the hook for you. I've never seen nobody go with catfish bait down to the river and go, oh, boy. I can't wait to dig in some of that catfish bait today. Give me some crackers, somebody. Oh, looks delicious. You hate it. It's stinky. Why? Because it's not for you. But man, them catfish love to eat that. And the world loves to eat that bait too. So he said, I'll teach you to become a fisher of men. And we did nothing inappropriate. We did nothing inappropriate. But we did play secular music and people couldn't get past that. But it was all for the purpose of winning the lost. And I could go on and on to prove my point about that. But look at Luke chapter 14 verse 16. Then he said to them, a certain man gave us a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to, to say to those who were invited, come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. They first said to him, well, I, I bought a piece of ground. Now I got to go see it. And I asked you to have me excused. Another said, well, I've got five oak, uh, new yoke of oxen and, and I, I got to go test them. Have me excused. So another said, I just got married and therefore I can't come. Please have me excused. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly. Now, what made him angry? What made him angry, he says, I'm providing you a banquet. And you have an excuse. Every time I turn, you got another excuse. I don't care what your excuse is. I'm inviting you to my banquet. Bring everybody with you. But then he says this. He said he got angry and... Uh, 
uh, I lost my place. Hallelujah. And he said, he said, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, master, it's done as you commanded and still there's room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Why? That my house may be filled. That's the philosophy of God Almighty. If you build the house, he wants it to be filled. No excuses. Let's go after it. Let's get our nets out there. Let's cast them. So how do we go after the lost? How do we cast our nets? Look at Luke 15, 1. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, what man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one, does not, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. They're angry with Jesus because he hangs out with sinners. But he's not hanging out with sinners to party with the sinner. He's hanging out with the sinner to win them. He's got an agenda, a purpose. And it's always religious folk that will always got something to say about winning people to Jesus. And so he said, man, if, they lose, if the, the sheep loses, the shepherd loses one sheep, he goes after that. He knows the 99 secure. i got to go get the one. And, when, uh, and then it says this, um, uh, and when he has come home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you, likewise, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just persons who need no repentance. What do you think he's after here? Hey, such were some of us. Such were all of us, Right? Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. That's what the kingdom's about. That's what ministry's about. That's what it is all about. There's a few things I want to show you before we leave. The first way that we cast our nets is we have to have compassion for those who need compassion the most. And that's the lost. And he talks about how he goes and he eats with these, these sinners and he takes on the persecution of being misunderstood as to what he's doing. So when we've done productions, this won't be as controversial. Maybe the blood and stuff, people don't like that. Sometimes we get a little, some complaints about that. But, but what we've done in the past, because they don't understand, we're trying to go after that one, man. We're all, and that one is that person you love. And they're not going to know unless we preach the gospel to them. And they may not hear it with just words. But maybe if they could sit in the dark and just look and view and be left alone in the theater of their mind to their own thoughts, and God and the Holy Ghost begins to work on their hearts, maybe they could open up and hear something they've never heard before. We are not a church that judges people when they walk in the doors. We don't do that. They come as they are. They come as they are. We minister to them where they're at. 
We let the Holy Ghost do his work. Because if I try to shove it down people's throat to to correct them and do this, that, and the other. Now, my job is to preach the word, and the word can be corrective. But my job is not to bend somebody's will. I look back at the stupid things I did while I was saved. Dumb, stupid stuff I did while I was saved. And and I think to myself, man, I should have known better. But I didn't. Just like years ago, we had a woman that came into our church. Bless everybody's heart. Everybody's trying to do the right thing here. But this woman comes into our church. is the other side of the building over here. And um, she came to the front for something. I don't know what it was. And boy, she had on a really low-cut top. And she had on a really high-cut skirt. And, you know, it was kind of noticeable in church. Now, I looked down at her. I saw her. I went, oh, okay. And um, you could tell there was no spirit behind what she was doing. You could tell that she wasn't trying to draw negative attention to herself. And I saw the ushers, and they blessed her heart. They freaked out. And they went, and they went for those, those, those uh, cloths. Oh, my God. And they're trying to put a cloth on her top, put a cloth on her bottom. You know, they're, trying, they're wrapping her up, you know. The mothers of the church are grabbing and trying to help her out. I'm like, I said, hey, guys. I was on the mic. I just I was, I was, during, the, was during the offer. I said, let her be. Let her be. Let her be. And they said, okay. They let her. And she, she answered the call, altar call, and she gave her life to Jesus. And the Lord showed me. He said, son, he said, that woman, she didn't know any better. And when she was invited to church, she put on her best outfit that she had. That was her best outfit. In her mind, I'm pretty. I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to wear because it's something I think is nice. And see how quick we can shame somebody when their heart is not even thinking that, and yet we're trying to get them saved before they're born again. So in other words, we're trying to clean the fish before we catch the fish. So what we've got to learn to do is, is allow the Holy Spirit to begin to work on people. Number two, in order to catch, cast this net properly, we got to show forth effort. So number one is compassion, not judgmental. But two is effort. The Bible says that, that 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 shepherd looked everywhere, high and low for that sheep. He wouldn't stop till he found the sheep and then put the sheep on his shoulder and carried the load. Jesus comes, picks us up, carries our load says, I know you're heavy burden and laden. I'll take you from, I'll bring you back home. That woman swept that house and swept that house and cleaned that house and looked at every crack and every cupboard and, and under every bed for that coin. She put in effort to find the coin. And when she found the coin, she rejoiced and threw a party. And when he found the sheep, they rejoiced and threw a party. You don't throw a party until the effort's put in to find what is lost. Amen. And the, the Bible says that we're to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature. And I like going in all the world, but I can't go to all the world, so we at least go to all Milwaukee. That word go shows action or shows effort. We got to put some effort into this thing. And you can't be ashamed. You got to be bold about it. Amen. The third thing is persistence. It's persistence. The shepherd and the woman would not give up until they got what they lost.
they found the lost. They went after the lost. Once they found it, they took it. And they put it back safely where it needed to be. They were persistent. And one thing you got to get persistent in from now until Passover. Two weeks production start. Three weeks, we're going to have the Good Friday. We're going to have the I Am Jesus. But the week after that is Passover. What are we going to do? we got to become persistent in our prayer life. you got to pray, 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 pray. And you should pray for your breakthrough, no doubt about it. But what we need to be spending time praying is about those we love and we want to see in the kingdom to go to heaven with us. Are we praying for them? Are you lifting up their name before God? Are you battling hell itself on their behalf? When you get persistent, God gets persistent. I'm standing in this pulpit today preaching to you because that woman and my mother got together and got persistent in prayer and would not let go of me in the spirit and said, he will come in. And I was not coming in. But I'm telling you, God came to me supernaturally. And that's what we want for our friends and loved ones. We want them a supernatural touch out of heaven. They mean something. They are important. They are worth the battle. They are worth the fight. Let me just say, don't let the fear of rejection hold you back. People are afraid to say anything because they're afraid they're going to be rejected. That's a devil. Rebuke it. You have a right to speak up. And you live in a great, great, great country where you can speak up. Well, they're going to not like me. So what? They don't like you anyways. Just because people smile at you don't mean they like you. Amen. Why do I say that? Because everybody's in need of rest, guys. Everybody wants joy. Everybody wants healing. Everybody wants help. People are still people. So don't look at their faces. Do what's right. I told this little story in the first service. It just came to my mind. I didn't plan to speak it at all, but I'll say it again today. And... When I was coming in the ministry, the week before I came in the ministry, I was working a little job shop in Rockford, Illinois, a little two-man shop. And so we took uh, parts in uh, from uh, different, uh, different um, fine-blinking comp- companies and so on. And what we did was we deburred them and put fi- uh, we put finishes on them and so on. And so, um, and so uh, we had a guy, a driver, that would always pick, they'd drop off parts from his company pick them up. Well, this, this, this driver was a big, burly guy, about six foot tall, big beard, and... Um, you know, he's just a big guy, you know. He wore a Harley Davidson jacket every day, and, you know, and, and he, he had big, uh, those mirror glasses. I never, he just wore the mirror. Never saw his eyes. Always had the mirror glasses on. And uh, every time I said hello to him, he would just go, mm. I said goodbye. Uh. I mean, that's exactly, I mean, he didn't say a word, would wait. You know, you'd have a cigarette while, while, while you're finishing up. You finish up, you put him in the truck for him, and you, uh, that's all we do. So I thought, man, I'm leaving in a week. And I was like, I got to tell this guy about Jesus. I got to tell this guy about Jesus. I, just, I, I wouldn't feel right if I didn't. So I made up my mind. When I see him today, I'm going to tell him about Jesus. So he comes in. He's in a hurry. comes in, and he stands right next to me. He never does that. I thought, oh, well, this must be my opportunity. So I'm, I'm working. As I'm working, I say, hey, I start talking to the guy, right? And I start telling him my testimony, telling him about the Lord, what the Lord's done for me. I, and I'm just sharing Jesus to him, just offering, you know, what he did for me. Just tell him my testimony. And just not trying to be preaching, just sharing, right? 
doesn't say a word. I'm talking about doesn't move a muscle, just looks straight at me with the, I think he's looking at me and sunglasses on, but he's looking toward me and, and didn't move, didn't, his demeanor didn't change. Oh, this guy wants to kill me. I mean, he just had that kind of demeanor. And so he takes the part and said, and he didn't say nothing to me. Takes the pan apart, shoves him in his truck. I said, well, we'll see you later. He went, ah, like that, and left. I thought, well, I did my best. The next day, I see him. There's a garage door, and the shop is open. And he sees me, and he comes straight at me. Now, he, now, he doesn't have any parts. He picked them up the day before. He only comes once a week. He comes and sees me, and all of a sudden, the guy has a voice, deep voice. Hey, I want to talk to you. Thought, oh, my God. Oh, no, what happened here? And he says, I want to talk to you. I said, yeah, 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 what, what, what do you need? He said, I want to tell you something. All what you said yesterday, he kind of went like this. It meant something to me. He said, my mother or my grandmother was a praying woman, and she would pray for me and pray for me and pray for me. And when I was 10 years old, I gave my life to Jesus. He said, but I haven't lived for him in so many years, and I've done things the only way he could forgive me of. But I do want to say thank you for telling me, but he'll never forgive me. Of course, I'm, not, I'm telling the opposite. That's the good news. You don't have to earn it. And I'm trying, you know, and I wanted him to say the prayer. You only had one more day left of the job. And he didn't say the prayer, but what he did say to me, he says, I do want to thank you for telling me the truth. Thank you for telling me the truth. Now, church, if he's alive, he's never forgotten that the rest of his life, just like I've never forgotten it either. See, you don't know. You think some they're, they're just hard and mean, but you don't know. That might be the person that God's wooing the hardest. He wants the most. And it's just something you say or click or the invitation to come to church. They say, okay, I'll come. You're like, oh, my. It, that's what I'm talking about. But we must be persistently praying over them. So when you hand the card out, pray for that person. Before you hand it, pray for that person. Wherever you go, leave a stack in, uh, in, in the restaurant. Pray over that stack. Lord, everybody gets the, Lord, let them come in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to read one more thing and then I'm through. Amen. <laughs> this is what I want to say to you in chapter 13 of Matthew, verse 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some every kind which when it was full, they drew to shore and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. The kingdom of God is like a dragnet. It's a net being cast into the sea. Ain't my job to determine the good fish and the bad fish. My job is to gather all that I can in and God will separate that. Where do we draw them in? Into the house of the Lord because he said that my house may be filled. Do you see now that you're called to be in the cast? Just as much as the cast members will be up here on those days, you're also in the cast to cast the net in your world, in your, your family members, with the people on your social network line. That is your responsibility. Well, they may not uh, like me for doing that. Oh, come on. Quit being so soft. You telling me you can't invite somebody to church and yet these people and the word gave their lives tortured to death and you don't want to be misliked or disliked? We got to get over that stuff, y'all. You got I'm a Christian, I'm a bold Christian. I don't I'm not ashamed of that. 
oh, I don't like their faces, the little smirks sometimes, and I don't like the little laughs, and, you know, that can get to you too. But it's not going to stop me. <laughs> you, know, you know, one of the things I noticed, when we did Heartbreak Hotel at the end, and we had, we had death scenes where someone, that would die, like Elvis, died of a drug overdose. Kurt Cobain died of suicide. And we'd have these four or five death scenes. Do you know every time I was standing in the back with the actors waiting to go on? And every time that would happen, the gun would go off or someone would fall over dead. Stickers, ha, 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 oh, stupid, ha, ha. Every time, almost every single night. And the people would say, oh, they're laughing, they're laughing. No, 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 that's good. That's good. What do you mean that's good? They're laughing at us. No, no. They're self-conscious. They're nervous. They're nervous. They don't know what to do. So they let off a laugh because they don't know what else to do with the feeling they're having right now. They're connecting with it. And we get out there and we lead people to Jesus unashamedly. So the people that laugh sometimes are the ones that are being drawn the most. You almost got to look at this opposite the way you've been looking at it. But let's make a decision that God has given us the greatest answer the world's ever known. That's Jesus Christ. And we need to get him out of our four walls. We need to invite these people to come to this church and get here. And you say, I'll meet with you. I'll hang with you afterwards. But you need to come. It's going to be something you've never seen before. To all of the events, from the Last Supper all the way to Good Friday to I Am Jesus and into Passover, it's going to be phenomenal. Did you all enjoy the word today?